With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter and the Carving It Up and YouTube, uh, Carving It Up and the Grid YouTube channel. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. Much, much earlier show on tap today. It's 3 Eastern, noon Pacific time just now. A uh, little, you know, crazy stuff, you know, happening with my schedule and stuff like that. So uh, tomorrow's show is going to be a, a different time as well. Just want to let you guys know that ahead of time. Uh, it's not going to be at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know ahead of time on social media when it'll be. But we do have a packed show on tap for you guys tonight. All We're covering all the sports, okay? We're talking about uh, <laughs> something I did not think I'd be discussing, <laughs> you know, in uh, early April. But I'm going to be talking about the first lady of the United States who really put her foot in her mouth when it comes to how she talked about the LSU Tigers and the Iowa Hawkeyes who played that national title game on Sunday in the women's bracket. And she invited both teams to the White House. I'll get into the biggest issue with what she said later in the show. As well as the Clippers-Lakers, huge game last night at the Crypto.com Arena. The winner would get the five seed as of right now, of course. And the loser would go to the seven seed, uh, which was is the first team in the playing tournament as we sit here today with two games to go. And the Clippers obviously won that one pretty convincingly. I'll get into that later in the show as well. You know, why, why I'm really not that concerned about the Lakers despite the loss. Uh, pretty, pretty Substantial loss uh, against the Los Angeles Clippers. Also, Mac Jones is being shipped, or at least reportedly, Belichick is trying to do so. That's what the reports are coming in from numerous NFL insiders. One in particular, I'm here to tell you, if you're the Patriots, <laughs> do it as quickly as possible. I'll get to that later in the show and at the end of today's show. A former Patriot quarterback, Cam Newton, there's one, there one tendency, and I've talked about it numerous times with Cam, that he, there's one trait that he really lacks that all the great quarterbacks have. He, excuse me, he does not have it. I'll get to that at the end of today's show after a recent interview that the former MVP did. But I wanted to start, <coughs> excuse me, gosh, got a little in my throat there. <coughs> all right, there we go. But first, the MVP race is over. You know that, right? Like the MVP race is a wrap. After what Joel Embiid did against the Boston Celtics, or rather, to the Boston Celtics on Tuesday night. Now, for context, Celtics did not have Robert Williams, which 
If we're being fair and honest, Robert Williams is rarely there, it seems like. Deals with a lot of injuries dating back to last season. And then we're without Jalen Brown, their all-star uh, number two guy behind Jason Tatum. But nevertheless, this is a Boston Celtics team that is top three in defense in the NBA. This is a Boston Celtics team that is the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. And it's a team that we all agree is absolutely a threat to, if not win the East, win the title, especially considering what they've done to Milwaukee the last few games. So Joel Embiid was still playing an excellent basketball team. The Sixers were playing an excellent basketball team. And Joel Embiid dropped 52 points. And this isn't, listen, we've had plenty of 50-point games. Heck, we had two 70-point games. Donovan Mitchell and Damian Lillard. Luka Doncic had a 60-20-20 game, the first in NBA history. We've had some unbelievable scoring outputs this season in the NBA. But how about this? Joel Embiid scored over half his team's points. Normally, when a guy scores 50, 60, 70, and this is usually how it's always been, with you know rare exceptions. I mean, I remember Jordan scored almost half the team's points in game six. Uh, the iconic game against Utah where he hit the shot over Byron Russell. like we, Stuff like that. But that that was a score in the low 80s. This is different. I'm sorry, the high, high 90s, if I'm not mistaken. In this instance, 76 were scored 103 and beat, scored 52. He did it on 25 shots. 20 for 25 for the field, not to mention uh, 11 re- I'm sorry, 13 rebounds and six assists just to make the, the stat line look that much better. And we all agree that the MVP race comes down to, really for the second year in a row, the three bigs. Embiid, Jokic, Giannis. Now, Jokic has two MVPs, as does Giannis. Matter of fact, they're the last four MVPs of the league to this point. But to me, I've gotten to a point where the folks that think Jokic is the MVP, I'm talking about the, the hardcore Jokic stands, if you will. There's nothing you can do to change their mind. That because they'll pull some second, third, 15th level stat, you know, out of nowhere, talking about how he's the greatest defensive player of the modern era. Like, there are literally second and third level stats to back that stuff up. Obviously, he's not even as good of a defensive player as Embiid is. Dang sure not as good as Giannis on that end of the floor. To me, it came down to this last week. We are in the last week of the regular season. Today is Thursday. We've got including today, four days left of the NBA regular season. It's crazy how fast it went by. And I felt like going into this last week, I had Embiid as my favorite, Giannis is number two, Jokic number three. But I still said, it's still up for grabs. Like, it's still out there for one of those three to take it. Embiid took it on Tuesday night. Not to mention, and this matters, trust me, the voters take this stuff into account same night, this same Tuesday night in uh, Houston, Texas, the Denver Nuggets, who without Jokic, had just beaten the Golden State Warriors on Sunday. No Jokic, but they had Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. had a big night, and the role players stepped up. They had this young big who played well. Beat the Golden State Warriors with Steph, with Clay, with Draymond, with Jordan Poole. They get Jokic back. Against the last place team in the West, the Houston Rockets, who are trying to lose games and lost by 21. And Jokic, by the way, by his standards, was terrible. Nikola Jokic in this game, 14 points, 10 rebounds, only four assists for the point center, as we call him. Last night, 
and I don't think it's a huge ding, but it matters. The Milwaukee Bucks clinched the number one seed without Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton, by the way. Shows how deep they are against a good Bulls team. A Bulls team that if you if you watch them the last two, three weeks, they played pretty good basketball. They've beaten the Lakers. Like, Bulls are playing good basketball. DeMar DeRozan's doing his thing. Zach Levine. Now, they've tailed off as of late. They lost to Atlanta last, uh, or the, the other night. And they're on the second night of a back-to-back. But the Milwaukee Bucks without Giannis this year, and this is where I go to most valuable player. And this is not to say Giannis is not valuable. I think he's the second-best basketball player on the face of the earth. The Milwaukee Bucks, last time I checked, were 5-6 games over 500 without Giannis. Not that reminiscent of those Cleveland teams back in the day where they struggled just to compete. Forget win. Compete if LeBron James is out of the starting lineup. And here you got Joel Embiid, who gets obviously, as you can tell by the, the, by, by the stat line, no help in the scoring department from really anybody else in the roster. Being, again, uh, 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 Harden had 20. Uh, okay. Uh, Maxie had a bad night, two for eight. Uh, P.J. Tucker came up big off the bench. He was three for three from three-point range. We know he's not a scorer. Tobias Harris, making all that money he's making, gave you five more points than I did. And the bench gave you nothing. Gave you 10 points in total. And Bede said, get on my back. We're going to win this game. Now, did the game mean anything in terms of standings? No. Boston, I don't think that, yeah, they hadn't clinched the number two CD. I think they officially did last night. But they were... I mean, the two, I think it was a three-game lead with three games to go. Chances of Boston blowing that were slim to none. Or three-game lead with four games to go. Chance of Boston blowing that, they'd have to just completely self de- uh, self-demolition, to put, do a self-demolition job to lose that. And like Doc Rivers said after the game, it's over. You know, to quote the great Kenny the Jeff Smith, it's over, ladies and gentlemen, from the dunk contest. I don't know what more you need to see. The Nuggets are fine without Jokic. The Bucs are more than fine. The Bucs are a very good basketball team. A championship contender? Absolutely not. But uh, Drew Holiday was an all-star this year and is having the best season of his career. Bobby Portis was remarkable and has been remarkable ever since he's been in Milwaukee off the bench. You got guys like Pat Connaughton who've played well. Not a fan of his, but Grayson Allen, who's played extremely well for the Milwaukee Bucks. Brooke Lopez, who might be defensive player of the year. It's either him or Jaron Jackson, in my view. That is a deep Milwaukee team. I think they're the the best team in the league as we sit here today. Now, Giannis takes them to a whole new level, of course, because, again, he's the second-best player in the world. But when it's all said and done, it's most valuable player this year. What more do you need to see? At this point, it's it's confirmation bias if you're pro-Embiid. And if Jokic were to have a big, you know, 30, 15, and 10 night against, I don't know, whoever, whoever the Nuggets play later down the stretch these last couple of games of the year, do I anticipate that? Probably not, because the Nuggets are probably going to rest some guys, get ready for the playoffs. I have the same question as the Sixers head coach Doc Rivers does. What more do you need to see? Again, I always point back to the fact that back in January, okay, back in January, uh, against the Nuggets. It was a Saturday, right? Yes, yeah, Saturday, January 28th. Embiid, Jokic faced off, and while Nikola Jokic had a solid stat line, 24, 9, and 8, that's good. 8 for 12 from the field, 2 for 2 from 3, you'll take that. 
You go from, oh, you'll take that to, give me all that and a bag of chips. Whatever side you want to choose. From Joel Embiid, who, you know, drop a cool 47-18-5. and You say, yeah, but he sat out of that game against the Nuggets last week. That's because he knows, okay, this game on Monday night against Denver, man, we're... I'm worried more about, I've in Embiid's mind, I've already won the MVP. That shows you the confidence of Joel. I've already won the MVP. I don't need to prove it again after I kick this dude's you-know-what back in January. We're worried about the playoffs. Because the reality is, I've never been to a conference finals. Giannis has a championship, and Jokic has at least been to a conference finals. They have a better playoff resume than I do. So he's like, I've proven it. It's already in the bag now. That what, what happened against Boston, I think clinched it, but for Embiid, this is icing on the cake. Again, and the last thing I'll bring up, um, are we just going to discount the fact that the man is averaging 33 and 10? There's not that many guys in the last 30, 40 years that have averaged that many points. I mean, you're talking about Michael, Kobe, AI, Harden. Like, that's it. I think, a matter of fact, I think that's the list. Those are the only guys that's averaged as many points as Embiid has this season in the last few years. And he's on tap to win a second straight scoring title, which hasn't been done to my knowledge since I think Shaq. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think it's been done since Shaq. He's the MVP. <laughs> I mean, I, again, does he need to prove in the playoffs? Of course, but I would argue so does Jokic. He's lost eight of his last nine playoff games. Now, Giannis, you're like, yeah, he's the main man. He, he won a championship. He won finals MVP. He was otherworldly against the Phoenix Suns in the 2021 finals. And that's totally fair. But I bring up the fact that Milwaukee's still a very good team. Not a great team, but a very good team without Giannis. I think if Giannis was not in the Bucs, they'd be the Knicks. And this is talking about the successful uh, year the Knicks have had. I'm I'm not so sure Milwaukee wouldn't be in that position. They still have an all-star in Holiday. Middleton has is a former all-star. Brooke Lopez is the defensive player of the year, arguably, and has been really good on the offensive end. Bobby Portis, Connets, and Grayson Allen. Case closed. Joel Embiid is your MVP in 2023. No question about it. Parnell is in the comments. Uh, uh, John Rivera says, are we live? Yes. John, 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 we are live. Uh, yeah, I, I thought about not doing a live show today, but I wasn't certain. But I was like, you know what? Let, let, let's go live. I love answering the comments. And plus, the <laughs> just full transparency here, the account I have with StreamYard, I can't, I can't put this as a stream except for on YouTube, which is a long process. Don't even have time to get into it. If my show exceeds an hour, I'm like, I don't want to condense these topics into an hour, uh, partly because I maybe I, I talk too much about my topics. But hey. I love doing the live format. Parnell, what's up, Parnell? Teaming of mine here at the Grid, the Commander's Demand podcast. Please go check his show out. He says, I give it to Embiid. Embiid at one point had nine consecutive games of 30 or more points. Bucks have a good record without Giannis, and Jokic and Denver have been struggling. Recently, Denver lost to H-Town. Exactly, by 21 points. And Jokic was terrible. Did not assert insert himself uh, or assert himself whatsoever in, the, in that game. Parnell, people make the argument against Embiid when he sat out against Denver at Denver and recently losing at Milwaukee with Giannis. And uh, Parnell asks, who's better than Giannis? Well, he resides in the Bay Area. He stands six foot three and can shoot the basketball from the parking lot. I think you know who I'm talking about. I think those are the two best. I think it's close. I mean, this isn't where 
for 10, 12 years, LeBron was the best player and the nobody even debated it. The debate was, okay, who's second? Is it Kevin Durant? Is it, you know, obviously for a time there, was it Steph, uh, Kobe, Duncan? Like, but it was LeBron by a mile. There wasn't even an argument. Those who did make the argument weren't watching the games, clearly. Uh, and I'll get to LeBron and the Lakers later in the show, but currently, I mean, again, we consider what Steph is doing. He's averaging 30 on nearly 50, 40, 90 shooting. Uh, with with six assists and six rebounds, uh, he's extremely, extremely effective on the defensive end, certainly more so than people think. I mean, back in the day when Steph was more slight, if you will, everybody attacked him. Kyrie Irving attacked him. Chris Paul attacked him. I mean, all, all the Damian Lillard, all the great guards of the league did. Guys don't do that as much anymore because Steph has put on more muscle. Steph has, has, it seems as if he's gotten more explosive over the last few years. But... I think it's Steph and Giannis right now. I think it's Steph's league, just given his accomplishments, given uh, you know what he's done over the course of his career. He's he's more accomplished than Giannis, but obviously Giannis is still Giannis is I think just now going into his prime. I'd say Steph still has. I don't even think I'm going out on a limb here. Three years, four years. You say Bryce, he's 35. I've said on the show. Steph is going to be the Tom Brady of the NBA. He's not going to be the greatest player ever. Now, now if Steph wins like seven rings. Okay, we may have to have it. We we may need to start having a conversation, but I doubt that's going to be the case. Although I will not, I will not be mad at that as a Warriors fan. But I think because of how he takes care of his body, a and b, how he plays the game. See, Steph plays a game that is unlike you know LeBron's was never reliant on athleticism, but athleticism was sort of like the the cherry on top to basically the perfect basketball player, phenomenal passer, um, can score almost at will unbelievable basketball IQ. I mean, he's probably smarter than most of the coaches he's played for, if not all. Maybe Spolstra, but Spolstra was a young coach at that time, so I'd say probably LeBron has the advantage there. Uh, LeBron has declined in recent years. Now he's still, I think, a top five player in the NBA. But like I I was saying about LeBron earlier, when LeBron was the best player in the league, it wasn't even close. It was not even. it's It's like Jordan in the 90s. Who's second? Is it Barkley? Is it Malone? Hakeem? David Robinson toward the end of Michael's career? Of course, I don't think Shaq was in that discussion yet. But it was like Jordan and everybody else. And at that time, it was LeBron and everybody else. So, uh, but that's where I think it is today. I think Steph's game is going to average, I'm sorry, age very well. Parnell says, I think Giannis is better because of versatility. Look, Giannis is the best player in the NBA by a mile on both ends of the floor. Because he could give you 30, and he can you know, lock down your best defender, or he can protect the paint. Um, I just think because today's NBA is more of a shooter's league than ever, like Giannis to me is the outlier to the rule that I've had on this show for a long time. You can't be a superstar if you can't shoot. No, Giannis isn't incapable of making a jumper. He'll make the three from time to time. He's got a, he's, his mid-range has gotten better as of late, um, but he's no, by no means a great shooter. Now, for him, it doesn't matter because he's the most dominant player within five feet of the basket since the great Shaquille O'Neal, in my view. But everybody else, you kind of got to be able to knock down a jumper. Steph has changed it in that regard, and because he is the guy who revolutionized the game, because he is sort of the architect of the modern NBA, and it plays right into his wheelhouse. I mean, the 90s NBA played right into Jordan's wheelhouse. You could say the same about the early 2000s with Shaq and everybody. Uh, I think if you created... if Not created, that's, that's going too far. If you... Again, I'll use the word again, revolutionize the way that the sport is played. 
right into the way you want it to, and you're still absolutely at your peak, at your prime. And that's the thing I, I said about Steph last year. I remember saying right after the finals were over. I said, what's scary about Steph, it feels like he's still getting better. It's like he improves every year, and the man's 35 years old. Like, when's the tail off going to be 40? 39, maybe? It's incredible what, what he's been able to do. Uh, Parnell, who's your most improved player of the year? I say Shea or Jalen Brunson. I'd say Shea Gilgis Alexander as well. He's averaging 30. Nobody saw, I wouldn't say nobody. I saw some people kind of like OKC this year. I, I had them as probably third to last in the West. I didn't see OKC competing. I feel like they were still in tank mode. They had a million draft picks. Obviously, they just took Chet Holmgren last year, but he didn't play because he, poor kid, he's so skinny, he couldn't stand up, obviously, to LeBron. First time he ever plays LeBron, he gets you know injured in that uh, Drew League game and, you know, got injured. Again, that, that's always been my concern for Chet Holmgren. Man, he's skinny. But I feel like OKC was still in a tank job, and here they are today. They're, I mean, it's between them or Dallas. Utah is probably going to tail off towards the end. They're a game and a half back with two, three left. I doubt Utah makes it. But it's between Dallas and Oklahoma City. And as we see here today, Oklahoma City's the 10th seed. They're in the play-in tournament. Uh, and what Shea has done this year, I, I, let me, I'm pretty sure when I was, I said Shea, for me, for me, if we're talking most valuable player, like I was just talking about, where I've gotten Bede, Giannis, Jokic in that order, I said Shea Gilgis Alexander is my fourth place. I mean, he's absolutely fourth for MVP because, uh, you know, what OKC's done this year. But I, I remember looking when I was doing some research on Shea, I think his points per game, that's what I'm checking right now to make sure, I'm pretty sure his points per game has gotten better every year. Let me let me check. Yes, literally every year his points per game has gone up. It was, it's gone from 11 to 19 to 24 to 24 and a half to 31. So I'm I'm with you, partner. Now, Jalen Brunson has a case. I think it was a crime that Jalen Brunson wasn't an all-star this year. I'm actually going to talk about the Jalen Brunson-Dallas Mavericks thing. Mark Cuban was very vocal about the fact that, you know, about why Jalen is no longer a Maverick. I'll, I'll talk more about that on tomorrow's show, but he absolutely has a case. He'd probably be number two for me. I mean, there's plenty of other candidates out there. Uh, Lori Markinen is in that discussion for the Utah Jazz. Uh, there's plenty of guys you can you can definitely put in that. All right, moving on to <laughs> something that I did not I did not anticipate talking about this on my show this week because I this story sort of just came out of left field. And look, I'm going to preface what I'm going to say with this. Uh to the how do I want to address this? Okay. To the Stick to sports crowd. I, I've addressed them from time to time on the show over the last three or so years. Uh, that moniker's dead. If you're still in that crowd, move on. It's probably probably better better for you uh, for for your mental health and everything. It's just it's it's not doesn't doesn't apply anymore. Uh, I, I'm okay with any athlete talking about politics, uh, whether they're conservative, liberal, I, I don't care. They have every right to speak about politics just like the average, average everyday citizen does. And, you know, but also to the stick sports crowd, sort of my response is, I do. I never talk about politics in the show, but when politics ventures into sports, I don't really have a choice. It's a story. It's a major story. And so I got to address it. So, 
As you guys all know, LSU won the women's national title on Sunday against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Obviously, the story of the tournament, Caitlin Clark, who had one of the greatest tournaments of all time. Again, I mentioned she had 40, a 41-point triple-double against Louisville in the Elite Eight. Dropped another 41, almost like a LeBron there in 2016. Don't remind me, that was a scarring series for me. But another 41 against South Carolina, the undefeated number one best team defending national champions. And then she did score 30, although she sort of tailed off at times of the second half against LSU. But LSU clearly had the better team. Angel Reese, while she was in foul trouble, made her impact, had a double-double. She broke the record for most double-doubles by any player uh, in women's history in a season. Uh, you had Alexis Morris, who was the MVP of the game, was, uh, um, I think, most outstanding player of the game, was phenomenal, knocking down mid-range shots. Uh, you had that uh, Jasmine Carson, I think it was her name, came off the bench and went 7-for-7 seven seven in the first half. LSU just had a better team. There's no other way around it. They didn't give up the lead after they took it in the first quarter, took it in the first quarter, and did not look back. L Iowa got it down to seven, but LSU, primarily Alexis Morris, kind of sniffed it out. But obviously there's been a discussion. I addressed it on Monday's show about the whole Angel Reese pointing to the ring and then the You Can't See Me celebration to Caitlin Clark, uh, right next to Caitlin Clark, to Caitlin Clark. And sort of the double standards that came along with that. I said it had to do, number one, you can celebrate a championship however you want, just as long as you're not attacking someone's character, you're taking shots of their family. Like, again, I said it'd be different if she, like, flipped her off or something. Or made, like, an inappropriate gesture. That's different. But pointing to a ring finger, dude, you can't see me, that's, I got no issue with that at all. None. It's trash talk. It's part of basketball. By the way, you know who wasn't offended? Caitlin Clark. She said as much the other day on ESPN. But... There's been a big firestorm around it. A lot of discussion around LSU. Some discussion around Iowa. And our first lady, Dr. Jill Biden, who was at the game, by the way, in Dallas, Texas, she had something to say about it. Not the controversy, but she was speaking. I think she was in Denver, if I'm not mistaken. I want to make sure I'm getting this right. Uh... Hang on. Okay, she, well, she told this to, uh, according to the Associated Press, she said, quote, I know we'll have the champions come to the White House. We always do. So we hope LSU will come. But, you know, I'm going to tell Joe, I think Iowa should come too because they played such a good game. Okay, so you have that quote from the First Lady that not only should the champions come, the runner-ups should come. Now, the White House, as we all saw, saw, okay, this is not, this does not look great. And her, her uh, personal uh, uh, press secretary, uh, Vanessa uh, Valdivia, I think is her name, Vanessa Valdivia, she said, quote, the first lady loved watching the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship game alongside young student athletes and admires how far women have advanced in sports since the passing of Title IX. Her comments in Colorado were intended to applaud the historic game and all women athletes. She looks forward to celebrating the LSU Tigers on their championship win at the White House. And Angel Reese had a response to, to Dr. Biden that I'll get to later in the show, but or later in the segment. Here's there's a lot of issues from a historical context. I don't I could be wrong on this, but I, I did the research I checked. I did not see an instance in which the White House had the runner-ups along with the champions to the White House. I, I had never seen that. If that's the case, we need to, let's see, we need to invite the Boston Celtics. They should have went with the Golden State Warriors. 
We should have brought the Philadelphia Phillies with the Houston Astros. This one's really laughable. We should have brought TCU with Georgia after they got smacked, hammered, however you want to describe it. What was it, like 63, I think, 63 to 7, something crazy. Uh, I mean, Georgia scored the 60s. TCU got a first quarter touchdown. That was all she wrote for the uh, for the Horn Frogs. And we should invite the Philadelphia Eagles along with the Kansas City Chiefs. So that in itself, you know, we, we talk all the time. I haven't talked about much on my show, but you hear this participation trophy culture. Like we hate how, you know, everybody, doesn't matter how good or bad you are, everybody gets a trophy. And, you know, we, we, we talk about it in the problem with that in youth sports, like, and how, you know, you need to earn, you got to earn these awards. You got to earn these trophies. You got to earn your accomplishments, not just in sports, but obviously in life. And to not to discredit the runner-ups because they did get to the championship round. They did have a great season, but they didn't come away with what they came to come away with, so to speak. Eagles didn't come home with the Lombardi trophy. The Phillies didn't come with the commissioner's trophy. The Celtics didn't come with the Larry O'Brien trophy. You know, TCU and all these other college champions. San Diego State the other day. Congrats to UConn, by the way, on a championship. Fifth in the last uh, 20 plus years. Uh, San Diego State didn't get what they came to uh, came to get. Neither did Iowa. Like there should, there, there's a certain, uh, there's a certain moniker that comes with being the champion. You get rings, you get the trophy, you get all this press and, and, uh, attention in the off season. You get all the interviews, you're on the late night shows, you're on the cover of magazines. Like there's something that comes with that, that the runner ups don't get. Now we've had great performances by running ups, uh, runner ups in, in past, uh, past years in sports, plenty, but they don't get the same shine. And with all due respect, nor should they, that the champions do. So just from a historical context, just from a, a competition context and perspective, no, no. Iowa, with all due respect, had a great season. They had the best player in women's college basketball. They shouldn't go to the White House. And Caitlin Clark, by the way, said as much on ESPN. As for what the First Lady said as it pertains to the two teams specifically, not in the championship context, but I'm talking about the two teams, LSU, Iowa. I want to reread her quote uh, once again, what she said. I know we'll have the champions come to the White House. We always do. So we hope LSU will come. But you know, I'm going to tell Joe, obviously President Biden, I think Iowa should come too because they played such a good game. Let me pose this scenario to you. If Iowa won, Iowa won convincingly. I think the final score to this game, I think it was 102-85. I mean, 102 points in a 40-minute span is unbelievable. Credit to LSU. 102-85, Iowa wins. And Caitlin Clark went to Angel Reese. And pointed to the ring finger and did the, I call it the John Cena, you can't see me celebration that she did against Louisville. And reportedly she did, 
against South Carolina, but to she did it to her own bench. She like did the you can't see me to to her own bench uh, while they were playing South Carolina. So that becomes sort became sort of her thing, almost like the Steph Curry night night to a certain degree. If she that did that to Angel Reese, if LSU got blown out, if Iowa blew the doors off them, were shooting the lights out from beyond the three point line, played good defense when it mattered. Do you think LSU is getting an invite to the White House? Because I'm going to be real with y'all. I really don't think so. I really don't. I got a lot of pushback, particularly on social media, which who doesn't, for when I was talking about the, and I figured this would be the case, but when I was talking about the race aspect of the criticism of Angel Reese's uh, exchange with Caitlin Clark. Not really exchange. It was more of a you know one-person exchange in that regard. And what I think is so interesting about the entire situation is, again, Caitlin Clark did the same thing. Plenty of white athletes have been very, again, I use the word braggadocious, very, one could even label cocky. And did not get near the the vitriol. It's one thing. Angel Reese did not just get criticized. She was eviscerated by many on social media. They were people calling her out of her name. Grown grown people. Shouting profanities. It's like, first first of all, she's a 20-year-old kid. I know she's a a young adult around her same, same age. But we're essentially kids who just won a championship. And that's what you're calling her? Like that's it, again, it makes you question why certain individuals are so, to use a Gen Z term, triggered by what Angel Reese did. It makes you, you know, question certain things. Now, I don't know if Dr. Biden was bothered by it. I, I don't I have no idea. She's given us no indication as to how she felt about the situation. But again. And this is just, I don't care how, if people like it or not. It's just how it is. When you have the d- dynamics, again, we had this, I think the best example is 80s Celtics, 80s Lakers. The best rivalry to me in NBA history. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Okay, those are the two best players in the NBA. Opposite sides of the coast, the Celtics were, were a mostly white team. Lakers were a mostly black team, led by a you know black superstar, Magic, and a white superstar in Bird. And you had a divide at that time. You know, a lot of white people pulled for the Celtics. A lot of black people pulled for the Lakers. Not to say there were exceptions, obviously, but that's that's how it was. Now, I don't think in this game it was the whites. You know, the white people pulled for the Hawkeyes, and the black people pulled for LSU. I don't think that plays factor. I, I, I don't. But it makes you question. I mean, is it unfair to ask the question about why is it that Iowa gets an invite as well after the whole firestorm? I mean, I pose the question here. If LSU wins... And there's no Angel Reese pointing to the ring finger or you can't see me. If there's if if that never happens, does Iowa get an invite to the White House? 
I'm just presenting those as questions, a little, you know, food for thought, if you will. Now, am I implying that Dr. Biden is a racist? Absolutely not. To this point, she is, to me, to me, to be a racist, you have to show, you got to have a track record. You got to have a history of saying hateful, um, awful things about a certain group of people. The same thing if you were labeled somebody a sexist. If they said numerous bad things about somebody of the opposite sex, particularly men towards women, obviously. Then you're a sexist. Then you're a racist. I don't have a history with that with Dr. Biden. I do with, with other individuals. I certainly do for the former president, but we won't even get into that. But part of the reason if we're going into a deeper discussion, which I don't really have time to get into this today's show, but sort of on the surface, part of the reason that we still have a lot of the problems in America with race today is because of people like this. Well-meaning. By all accounts, I think Jill, Dr. Biden seems like a, a, a wonderful person. She's done so much for kids, and she's, she seems like a, a, a great you know, personality and seemed like be a, a pleasure to uh, to meet and hang out with the whole nine. I don't think she met necessarily understood what she was saying by this. It's sort of the when people call it the bias that, that the people have when it comes to racism. Again, it's not saying she's racist. I don't even know that this is necessarily a racist comment. But the undertones are what has gotten everybody talking. The undertones is what got the White House to immediately, her press secretary more specifically, to totally shut it down. I'm just saying. I'm just, just throwing that out there. Um, but like I said, LSU should go to the, uh, go to the White House. Although I did see uh, Angel Reese didn't seem all that uh, uh, thrilled about it. I, th I think we have... Let's see. Okay, yeah, I have the quote. Angel Reese was on a podcast the other day, and she's uh she's not down with 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 the uh, with the first lady. She said, "quote I'm not going to lie to you. I don't accept the apology." Let me stop there. It wasn't really an apology. A and B. It didn't come from Doctor Biden. The, the statement I just read came from a press secretary. It did not come from uh, uh, Doctor Biden, and it wasn't really an apology. It was more of a clarification. You see, people do that a lot. They get in trouble and they don't they don't apologize. They clarify. Uh, but anyways, Angel Reese, quote, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't accept the apology because of you said what you said. I said what I said. And like, you can't go back on certain things you say. I mean, you feel like they should have came because of sportsmanship, right? They can have the spotlight. We'll go to the Obamas. We'll see Michelle. We'll see Barack. So uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, what else is interesting about the whole going to the White House dynamic, not going to the White House dynamic <laughs> is not necessarily Angel Reese or the players. It's with Kim Mulkey, who, as we know, is a staunch supporter of the former president uh, before President Biden and after President Obama, of course. Uh, that, 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 to me, is just really fascinating as to what LSU is going to do. That, they they got to do something. Whether they go to, to see uh, Mr., uh, Mr. President Obama or uh, First Lady Michelle Obama, or if they go to the White House with President Biden and First Lady uh, Dr. Jill Biden, uh, it's, I'm curious to see what, what uh, Kim Mulkey does, but look, 
ultimately, that's not Angel Reese's call because she has one player on the team. It's not her call as to whether they go or not. I'm sure they'll just talk about it as a team, make a decision uh, in the coming days, weeks, and potentially months. But I do get the frustration. Angel Reese, certainly her being black, she she understands sort of what was lying below this. Again, I don't even think intentionally. So we'll see how it continues to develop and play out. But like I said, that really was not an apology by 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 um, by Dr. Biden. It was more of a clarif- clarification, and it didn't even come from her. It came from a press secretary. But we'll see how this develops over the coming days. I'm just really curious to see because uh, obviously we know Kim Kim Mulkey has a and listen, I, I like I said on Monday, she's a fantastic coach. That no, there's no denying that she's a four time NCAA champion. There's no denying how great she is as a coach. Uh, but she certainly has a colorful and questionable history uh, off the court with a number of things, some of it including uh, her. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Strong association with the 45th president. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll put it that way. We'll leave it at that. Let's move on to the NFL, though. To the New England Patriots. We're coming off a disappointing season. Eight and nine. Missed the playoffs. Made some nice offseason acquisitions. They had Mike Gusecki, who you guys know I like. He's not a good blocking tight end, but he's an excellent pass catcher, and that's a lot of tight ends these days. I think Travis Kelsey's kind of changed the game in that regard. Tony Gonzalez, you could argue before that. And they added Juju Smith-Schuster, who, along with Travis Kelsey, was a huge contributor, definitely in the Super Bowl, to the Chiefs winning uh, to the Chiefs winning it all this year. So they had two. The, the Patriots have been desolate in, in in the wide receiver department. Heck, the weapons department. That's why Tom Brady left. It's one of the reasons Tom Brady left, because his last year in New England, he's like, Man, what are you giving me? Okay, Gronk just retired. You let go of guys who really worked with me. Danny Amendola, Edelman's getting older. At that point, he was his second to last year in the league. Like, I've got nothing to work with. And then I look over at Tampa Bay, and they got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And at the time, they had O.J. Howard and Cameron Bright. I'm going to bring Gronk with me. I'm going to bring Leonard Fournette and Antonio Brown. And you saw what happened. Tampa Bay, all they did was win the Super Bowl. But it's kind of been that case in New England for quite some time. So they made some nice offseason acquisitions. The question is, what the heck are they going to do at quarterback? Now, a year ago, too many, that would have been a, you nuts? Mac Jones had a pretty good rookie season. They got to the playoffs. He was up for offensive rookie of the year. Now, as you guys know, I've never been a Mac Jones fan since the day he came out of Alabama to the NFL draft in 2021. I said he has he has a, I don't want to say a noodle arm. That's kind of mean. But let's just say his arm is not that of uh, Josh Allen. Let's just put it that way. He's completely immobile in a league where in order to be one of the absolute cream of the crop, best of the best quarterbacks, 
you've got to at least be able to move a little bit, to extend plays outside of the pocket to a certain degree. Now we know there are guys like Josh Allen who is not hesitant whatsoever to run. Patrick Mahomes, like that big run he had in the Super Bowl, and he's had plenty of other big runs in his career. Think about the Tennessee Titans run a few years back. Uh, Joe Burrow can move. Justin Herbert can move. Plenty of guys. Obviously, we know about Lamar Jackson's ability. Like, in order in 2023 to be an excellent, I mean, best of the best quarterback, you've got to be able to move. Mac Jones can't do that. He can't. He showed that at Alabama. He's, he's, he was run down at times by defensive tackles. So look at his film at times uh, with the Crimson Tide. And certainly that he wasn't going to be able to do that in the NFL. And as we saw this year, this past season rather, his leadership tendencies are questionable. I mean, it was a divided locker room. I heard Devin McCourty was on a podcast the other day who just recently retired, a really good Patriot, great Patriot, uh, really. And he was talking about that how there was, people were talking about, is it Mac, is it Bailey? Talking about Bailey Zappi, who replaced an injured Mac Jones for two games last year. It's like, okay, the fact that there was even a divide in the locker room tells you everything you need to know. Like, for example, I was compare it to the Cowboys situation, right? People say, oh, well, the Cowboys went, what were they, three and three and one, four and one with, uh, yeah, three and one with Cooper Rush. Oh, they were three and one. They were winning games. Yeah, first of all, the defense was playing out of its mind. And B, the Cowboys offense was awful, awful those three games, those four games. Just check the numbers. They were terrible. They broke 20 points like once, I think. But there was never a question. Now, Jerry Jones tried to start questions. Hey, we may have a quarterback controversy here in Dallas. No, you don't. No, you don't, Jerry. You never heard anything out of the Cowboys locker room. Boy, the locker room is divided. Is it Dak or is it Rush? Never came out. New England, it did. And according to Albert Breer, who's one of the most well-connected sources in the NFL, Bill Belichick, who is the team's de facto, obviously, head coach, but the de facto general manager, he drafts the guys, he acquires guys in free agency, he makes the trades. Apparently, he's not all that sold on Mac Jones. Evidenced by the fact that, according to Albert Breer, he was looking to potentially ship him. Again, this is what, uh, let me make sure I'm getting this right. Okay. According to Albert Breer of Monday Morning Quarterback, the Patriots mentioned Mac Jones' name in trade talks with multiple teams this offseason. Uh, uh, he said, quote, uh, Albert Breer, I think what happens was, and I got this on good authority, while those calls are being made during the combine before free agency, when teams are talking about names back and forth, Mac Jones's name came up a few times. And then he was talking about Mike Florio uh, of Pro Football Talk, who reported that the Patriots were shopping Jones as well to four teams, Vegas, Houston, Tampa Bay, Washington. Breer said, quote, Mike Florio presented the four teams. I know a couple of them at least did it here for the Patriots on Mac Jones. I don't think Florio presented it in that way either. He said that those teams could potentially be involved. He didn't say those were the teams that the Patriots were shopping him to. And then here's this really interesting quote. Breer, uh... Uh, the issue, I think this is his quote. I think part of the issue now is that they wouldn't, wouldn't get great value for him. And that my friends is Mac Jones. He's a backup. I've said that since the second he walked into the NFL, he is a backup quarterback. All the traits that you heard to describe him. He plays within the offense. He's pretty accurate. He's really smart. He, he, he's good with the coaches. 
all of those traits and tendencies you hear about backup quarterbacks. I asked this question in 2021. What was there about Mac Jones that blew you away? Because all the great quarterbacks in the NFL have something tangible that blows you away. Mahomes, where do we even start with him? Let's just put Mahomes aside. He's in a galaxy of his own. Joe Burrow, yeah, he doesn't have the greatest arm, but the dude is accurate as freaking breeze at times. And he's cool. He's calm. He moves really well in the pocket. Again, deadly accurate. Doesn't turn the ball over. Mac Jones does turn the ball over a lot. You think about guys like Josh Allen. He could throw it from Buffalo to Miami. He's got the biggest arm in the NFL. Not to mention he's a huge athlete, can run over a linebacker, can leap over a linebacker. Special. Justin Herbert, monster arm, big, can move. Special. Aaron Rodgers for years, monster arm, really accurate. His mechanics may not be great, but he might be the most gifted throw of the football we've ever seen. Special. What was there special about Mac Jones? What is there special about Mac Jones? Has Mac Jones, since he stepped in the NFL, taken a big leap of improvement thus far? What have we seen through two seasons that makes you believe he can take the Patriots to the promised land? Because if nothing else, he's in an AFC with uh, uh, Justin Herbert, obviously, with Patrick Mahomes, with uh, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, for the time being, Lamar Jackson, now Aaron Rodgers, I mean, elite, elite quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence. That's another guy. What's special about Trevor Lawrence? What's not special? Obviously, he can move. Monster arm. Accurate. Doesn't turn the ball over that much at all. Certainly didn't in the second half of the season. Big, strong athlete. That's why never from the day that people were talking about, hey, he's not only is he a first-round pick, he could be the third pick in the draft. I'm like, you guys are out of your minds if you think he's the third pick in the draft. I think that's being evidenced now. He's like, Bryson, his rookie year, he had a solid stat line. It was like 22 touchdowns, 14 picks, right? He helped the Patriots get to the playoffs. They were a really good offense. Now they got blown out by Buffalo, but... I mean, it's not Mac Jones that fault the defense gave up 40-plus points. And then year two, he gets an actual offensive coordinator replaced with a defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, and and and, uh, and uh, what's his name? Joe Judge calling plays. It's not fair, the kid. His weapons aren't that good. It's a tough division. You can't be brutal on Mac Jones. I actually said on this show in August, you can look it up. During training camp, when the reports were coming out about how horrible the Patriots offense was with Matt Patricia, again, a defensive coordinator calling plays as the offensive coordinator. And I said, folks, I can't be that hard on Matt Jones this season. I can't. He's, he's got an accountant giving him open heart surgery. That's basically what he's got. But things change. It wasn't it wasn't just that Mac Jones had a bad year last year. It's that his backup 
a fourth-round rookie took the Patriots' offense to a new level. You say, Bryson, that was two games. Let's look at the numbers from Bailey Zappi's two starts and compare them to Mac Jones' best two starts. Not, not his average stat line, his best two starts, which I looked at the numbers, looked at all the Patriots games that Mac started. To me, his best two games were against the Vikings, who, as we know, had a horrible pass defense, but Mac played very well in that game. And then the, yeah, the third to last game against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. He had, he had a really good second half of that game. Mac's best two games, Zappy's best two. Let's look at Zapp, or Zappy's two starts. Let's look at Zappy's starts, okay? 248.5 yards per game, three touchdowns, one pick, average pass rating of 109, and team points per game, 33. Now those starts, for context, were against the Detroit Lions and against the Cleveland Browns. Matt Jones, two starts. 311 yards per game, so a pretty substantial jump in yards. Four touchdowns, just one tick up from Zappi's. Three touchdowns, zero picks, props to Mac. One tick down from Zappi's, one pick. A pass rating of 112, ever so slightly over Zappi's. You could basically call it the same. 112, 109 is all the same. Team points per game, down 11.5 points to 22. Mac today, I think, is a better quarterback than Zappy. It ain't by much. Again, that's not Mac's average. That's his best two games. At his peak, Bailey Zappy had the same weapons. Bailey Zappy had the same unqualified offensive coordinator. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And you see what the results were. So yes, the Patriots, if given the opportunity, if somebody gives them a solid enough trade package to move on from Mac Jones, they should. Again, I keep beating this, this table. Lamar Jackson is still out there. Now, he's not a free agent. The Ravens can trade him. But the Patriots do have the assets. They've got plenty of, they've got some defensive guys they can move on from. They've got a, a good number of draft picks. But something else too? The Patriots, let me make sure I'm getting, okay, yeah, they're in the middle of the draft. They've got like the 17th pick or something like that. They could take a quarterback. I mean, we talk about the guys. Stroud and Young are probably going to go one and two in the draft. Levis is going to go in the top five. Richardson, we'll see. But you're going to have two guys available. You're going to have Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, who you guys know I think is going to be a superstar, superstar in the NFL. Has all the qualities that every great quarterback has. And there's a kid from Stanford who I, I really like as a prospect that New England could take, who actually fits them pretty well in terms of what Belichick office coordinators usually do. You have options. You have an out while Mac is still in his rookie deal. Admit, that's one thing Belichick's bad about. Belichick's not great at admitting he was wrong on stuff. 
Because when he signs a certain guy, or he drafts a guy, he wants to show you he's right. He wants to show you he's the smartest guy in the room. That's why I remember when Brady first left, and up until they signed Cam Newton seemingly at the 11th hour, they were going to roll with, uh, what's the kid's name? Jarrett Stidham. Look, Jarrett Stidham's going to succeed Tom Brady? And then they eventually signed Cam Newton. It's like, okay, this one makes more sense. But Belichick's not good at admitting he was wrong. Admit you were wrong on Mac. You made the wrong pick. You did. You you selected the wrong quarterback. If nothing else, they should have taken maybe a a wide receiver, which that draft had plenty of good wide receivers. And then you go with Cam Newton again. Cam Newton had the vaccination issue. You stick with Cam Newton, roll through twenty twenty one, see what happens. Maybe you do make the playoffs, just like you did with Mac. Then you move on from Cam, go into a transitional year, a rebuild year. And then you take your quarterback. Now, the good news is it's not been a train wreck with Mac. It's been well below expectations, well below what Patriots fans thought it would be. But it's not been a disaster. They have an out. Move on from Mac. Either trade for Lamar or if you're like, ah, that's too much money for Lamar and we're concerned about his durability. Okay, fine. Take a quarterback in the draft. You could trade up, by the way. You could trade up into the top 10 and take one of the guys that you want. If Levis were to fall, if, again, I'm not high at all on Anthony Richardson, but if you like Richardson, if you have any common sense and take Hendon Hooker, but Mac Jones is not the guy. I don't know how much more you guys need to see in New England. He's not. And I'm not comparing him to the, to the, to the, to the standard of Tom Brady. I'm comparing him to the standard of Bailey Zappi. And he barely exceeds that. Barely. Sign and move on from Mac Jones if you're the New England Patriots. There's no question about it. Uh, moving on, though, to, uh, like I said, it's, it's weird to be doing the show at this time. I, I know uh, a lot of folks out there, John Rivera put in the comment section above, he said, is the show live? The show is live. I am talking to you right now. If you want to comment, feel free to do so, and I will uh, answer your question or react to something that you you say in the comments. Uh, but, yeah, I figure I'm like, ah, pre-recording, it's a little bit too much of a hassle. I'd have to kind of cram my topics in. It just wouldn't work. So, uh, like I said, due to some personal uh, scheduling cl- conflicts, I've decided to do the show earlier uh, today. And the show will be earlier tomorrow, by the way. I'm not quite certain what time. I don't think it'll be at 3 Eastern, but it could be. I'll, I'll keep you on the loop on social media uh, as to as to what the situation is going to be. Um, and there's a story that I'm going to talk about tomorrow's show about uh, Tyree Kill saying he's going to retire after 2025. Uh, that's very, very interesting, and I actually think it's kind of a credit to Tyree Kill. I'll get to that tomorrow on the show. I'm just looking. At, I'm just looking at Twitter right now, and it's a video of Andrew Wiggins working out at the Warriors facility. What a beautiful sight! What a beautiful, beautiful sight! Oh, and the Red Sox beat the Tigers, and the Red Sox beat the Tigers. It's a good year, or good, good day rather for uh, for me personally. With Wiggins back, Red Sox win. I mean, what, what what's 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 not to like? Let's move on to a team who's right in the thick of it with my Warriors and with the team they just faced last night, the Los Angeles Clippers. That would be the Lakers, who lost to the Clippers last night uh, in the Crypto.com arena, what was technically designated as a road game. But as we know, we hear the audio when the Lakers and Clippers play. When LeBron scores or AD or Austin Reeves or somebody scores, you hear the, you know, from the crowd, you don't hear a silenced murmur 
when a player scores as if it were an actual road game. But the Clippers beat the Lakers last night, 125-118, and the game really wasn't even that close. Uh, LeBron had a abysmal, abysmal first half, only three points, and then he went crazy in the second half, had a what seemed like, this isn't a shot at LeBron, but it seemed like a very quiet 30 just to get the Lakers back at the game. Listen, a lot of folks are saying, see, this is why the Lakers can't. You can't rely on Anthony Davis, stay healthy. LeBron's getting up there in age. Can't, you know, he can't play back-to-backs. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to the media. And, and listen, here's the reality. With the Lakers and with the Cowboys and with the Yankees, there's always going to be overreaction. They're the three biggest brands in American sports. If if it's if things are going good, it's going great. If things are not going all that well, it's just it's doom and gloom. We're, we're never going to win again. I mean, that's just that's that's the reality of those three brands because of the national media attention, because of the number of fans, not just in their cities, but around America in the Cowboys case and heck in the Lakers case around the world, even to the Yankees to a certain degree. I think people are kind of overreacting to this. And again, I've changed tune in the Lakers in the last couple of weeks. I said going into the All-Star or coming out of the All-Star break, I said, while I love the moves Plinka made, and I think they'll work. They're not a championship contender because I didn't think they'd have enough time to really make them work to the point where you are sit back and saying, hey, this, this, this is a team that could win three straight seven-game series starting on the road, which matters. Again, no team in the history of the NBA has won a championship in which they started all four series on the road. It's never happened. Makes it all the more cool of a story if my Warriors do it, which I think they will. But I don't think this is that big of a deal for the Lakers. It's the second night of a back-to-back. Now, if you want to say you're concerned because of how the Utah game ended, feel free. I I was just as stunned as everybody else. The Lakers got a 10-point lead. A 10-point lead with a minute for with basically 103 seconds left, and the game goes to overtime. Like, that's unacceptable. LeBron blew a a layup at the rim. Uh, Kelly Olenek had that crazy bank in three. I mean, it was a disaster. AD missed free throws. But to the Lakers' credit, LeBron redeemed himself, hit the layup in overtime. They got the stop on the former Laker, Taylor Horton Tucker, won the game. But that was a five minutes they did not need to play, but they did. It's the second night of a back-to-back after a long road trip. Uh, You are, you know, Anthony Davis, we know how brittle he is. And LeBron James is in year 20. He's still great. He's still a top five player. He is in year 20, and he's dealt with plenty of injuries even this season. Facing a Clippers team that A, is coming off a loss to, I think, was it Memphis that beat them? Uh, The Pelicans that beat them before this. So you're kind of simmering after that. You're not feeling good. You got a bad taste in your mouth. You see how tight it is in the West, and he got three days rest. So you got fresh legs. You're pissed coming off a loss. The Lakers, on the other hand, are exhausted coming after kind of an emotional, hard-fought win that they really shouldn't have had to fight hard to get, particularly in the fourth quarter and overtime. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, website for details. I'm really not that concerned about it. Now, the final score is a little bit misleading. Uh, the Clippers with a seven-point win. The, this game really wasn't that close. The Lakers made some runs in the second half, made it interesting. 
but it was, I mean, Clippers went up, I think as many as 20 plus. It was never really that close. Kawhi played well, the role players, Eric Gordon. Hey, Russell Westbrook looked, and Russell Westbrook, I'll give him credit because I'm not a Westbrook guy. He's been a solid fit with the Clippers. Now, do I trust him in the playoffs? Not in the slightest because his playoff history tells me that I shouldn't. But Russell Westbrook, let me look at his stat line. Yeah, six for 12, two for four from three, hit both of those threes early on, 14 points. Russ was good. Russ was not a net negative for the uh, for the LA Clippers, although he did, did have a negative uh, plus minus, but then you could say Kawhi Leonard did as well. Uh, again, Kawhi gave you 25. Uh, Zubats was good, gave you 17. They got tremendous help off the bench. Norman Powell was unbelievable. 27 off of 15 shots. I would have genuinely been surprised if the Lakers had won that game. I'm really what what would this what would the story be coming into today if the Lakers had won the game? Look out west. Okay. Lakers have been in the cellar of the Western Conference with basically the Rockets and Spurs, which they were for most of the season. Palinka makes these trades. LeBron comes back from injury. Anthony Davis has this renaissance. The Lakers are back. They are now the five seed, and they're the favorites to win the Western Conference. Which that, to me, would have been an overreaction. This is, man, it's an exhausted team whose best two players are one old and the other really, really fragile. Neither of them at this stage in their careers are really built to play out back-to-backs, which is an indictment of AD because he's not even 30 yet. Actually, I think he is 30. I could be wrong about that. I think he's 30. Just now, though. LeBron's 38 years old, still playing back-to-backs. Point is, the Lakers were not supposed to win this game. I mean, it was 30 minutes before tip-off that we even knew that LeBron and AD were going to play. There were numerous reports and speculation about, man, they, they might just go and sit this one out. Again, for the Lakers, they've got the Suns on Friday, which I cannot wait to watch. Friday, uh, Friday night's going to be unbelievable because you've got Golden State-Sacramento, which is a huge game for my Warriors. And then you've got Lakers-Suns, which is a huge, huge game for the Lakers. means nothing for Phoenix because they're locked in the fourth seed. But you know, what, you know what it means? We have not seen LeBron James and Kevin Durant on the same court playing one another since Christmas of 2018. KD better not pull or you know roll his ankle in warm-ups like he did that one game, which caused him to miss a few weeks. He better not get injured in practice. We need to see LeBron James and Kevin Durant. It's been too long. It's been way too long. But the Lakers got the Suns at home and the Jazz at home, which is on Sunday, which is on Easter. I'm not so sure they can't win both. Matter of fact, I kind of feel like they will win both. And they still, by the way, could get the sixth seed, which it's so weird. The Pelicans are still in the running to get the sixth seed. Uh, As the Western Conference standings stand today, both them and the Lakers are tied at 41 and 39, both have only two games left, but the Lakers have a tiebreaker. I still think New Orleans, I, I said coming into this week that they were going to lose two of four. They lost to Sacramento. They came back, had this crazy game, comeback to beat the Memphis Grizzlies. And by the way, without Jaw, which is even more of a, a shout out to the Pelicans, because I, I keep saying I think the Grizzlies are better without Jaw. I think the evidence bears that out. But the Pelicans still have the Knicks and the Timberwolves left. I think they'll lose one of those games. I still maintain the Pelicans coming out after Sunday, after. Sunday, a few, few days ago, we'll lose two of four games to close the regular season. So the Pelicans, I do not believe, will be in the playoffs. They'll be in the play-in and have to get into the playoffs via the play-in. So it really comes down to three teams. Clippers, Warriors, Lakers. 
And they're in the standings in that order. Clippers are five, Warriors are six, and then the first team in the play-in, Lakers are seven. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Where the team at five, the Clippers, want to move down one spot. The team that seven, the Lakers, want to move up one spot. And the team currently sitting at six, my Warriors, we are perfectly content with where we're at. We, we don't want, no, because the thing is, none of these teams want to A, be in the play-in, because guess what you don't have to do if you're in the play-in? Play basketball. You get it basically a week off, depending on if, you, if game one is Saturday or Sunday, because that's where the playoffs start. Next Saturday and Sunday are, is when all the game ones are in the East and the West. You get a week off, recharge, you know, as, as, as Marshawn Lynch would say, take care of your mentals, uh, take care of your chicken. And your bread while you're at it, because businesses got to take care of the business, of course. Rest, take care of yourself, and get ready and recharge for the playoffs. Whereas if you're the play-in, we have to play another game, maybe two, if you lose the first play-in game. Like all three want to avoid the play-in, only two will, and all three do not want the five seed. Because that means Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns in the first round. Like, your reward for playing so well the second half of the season. Hey, great job. You, you know, the Lakers and Warriors have kind of been in the playing you know, scenario all season. They played really well the last month. Your reward is Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns. What? Like, that's, nobody wants that. Not in round one, at least. So the Clippers, again, tomorrow is, that's why I can't wait for these next three days. Tomorrow is going to give us a lot of answers, and the strategy will be interesting coming out of tomorrow. The Clippers play Portland. Now, Portland, now that Portland beat the Timberwolves, who needed to win that game, Portland is tanking, essentially, and Portland beat them. The Clippers should beat the Blazers tomorrow night. Vegas doesn't have the, the line on that. I'm sorry, they play Saturday. My bad, they play Saturday. So the strategy going into Sunday will be interesting. The Clippers play the Blazers. There, there's no way they should lose that game. Okay, tomorrow night, the Warriors play the Kings. Now, if you look at the standings, Sacramento is two games back of Memphis. If I'm not mistaken, they have the tie break. So in theory, they could still get the two seed, although it's unlikely Memphis likely ends up as the two seed. Memphis is probably two, Sacktown at three. That's one of the hardest places to win the NBA. Light the beam, as they've been saying all season. The Kings haven't made the playoffs since 06. I was three years old the last time. Heck, actually, no, my birthday's in June. I was two years old the last time the Kings made the playoffs. That arena is going to be on fire. It's a potential playoff preview. Warriors-Kings, Bay Area rivalry. It's not really a rivalry because it's the Warriors and it's the Kings. But, you know, back and forth, same division, the whole bit. What happens if Golden State wins or loses? And then the Lakers have the toughest game, the toughest second-to-last game of those three. They're at home, but they play Phoenix. Now, how interested will Phoenix be in winning this game? Phoenix is in. Not only is Phoenix in, they know for a fact we are going to start the playoffs and we are the four seed. Could Phoenix say, let's play our guys, just so A, there's not too long of a layoff, guys don't get rusty for the playoffs, Let's, it, the question is, because if, if they beat the Lakers, the Lakers are going to be in the play-in. It's as simple as that. The Lakers will be in the play-in tournament. If we lose, we could see the Lakers in the first round. 
If we win, we know we're not. It's me. If I'm the Suns, I want of those three, the one I would want to play the most is the Clippers. Paul George is coming off an injury. Kawhi tends to get hurt this time of year in the postseason. And we know what the Clippers' history in the playoffs is. Whereas Golden State, championship pedigree, best player in the world, defending champions. Lakers, to me, greatest player of all time, top five player in LeBron, top 12 player in Anthony Davis, and a tremendous supporting cast. Give me the Clippers over either of those two teams if I'm the Suns. All of that gibberish to say. Depending on what happens with the Clippers against the Blazers, the Warriors against the Kings, and the Lakers against the Suns. Could we see a scenario going into Sunday? Sunday is the last day of the regular season. All 30 teams in the NBA are playing their last game. Could we see, based on tiebreakers and whatever the scenario will be, could we see whoever the five seed is, if it's Golden State or the Clippers most likely, could we see them possibly tank their last game? to move down to six. I don't think it's off the board for any of the three. Now, the Lakers, it'll be hard. Actually, it'll be impossible for them to be the three, to be the five seed going into Sunday. Now, they can still be the five seed, but the Clippers, the, the Lakers' chance of being the five seed are pretty slim because the Clippers would have to lose out. The Lakers have to win out. I do not envision the Clippers losing to the Blazers. So the Lake, the Clippers will clinch a playoff spot, and then we'll see if they're five or six. So like I said, I think Golden State is going to be the sixth seed. First of all, they are right now. Second of all, I think they're going to win their last two. The Clippers are going to win their last two, I believe. And it, at that point, it doesn't matter what happens with the Lakers. Now, I predicted going into the week, Lakers would be five, Warriors would be six. It looks like it'll be Clippers five, Warriors six. But the hoops that these teams, so to speak, you know, no pun intended, it's basketball. But the hoops that these three teams will jump through to avoid Phoenix in the first round is going to be so fascinating. I, I, I cannot wait to see the strategies put into place. I really can't. Let's see. We've got a couple comments here from Ricky Arana. Arana? Arana? I hope I'm saying your name correctly, uh, Ricky. Ricky says, Clippers can't shoot like that every night. Just saying. What do you think? Well, I mean, no. That, that's the thing, too, is... You, know, you talk about their hot three-point shooting. Let, let me see what the Clippers, because uh, they, they were raining it in the first half. Uh, Clippers shot uh, 12 for 29, 41% from three. That's pretty good. Uh, Eric Gordon had a, a good first. I'm sorry, that's the Lakers. My bad, my bad. No, Clippers went 16 for 36, 44%. I remember Eric Gordon hit a few threes in the first quarter, kind of got them going. Terrence Mann was two for two. Bones Highland was three for th- uh, six. Kawhi was four for seven. Like, they were really good. Uh you're right, Ricky. They, they're not going to be able to shoot like that every night. And a lot of that factors in fresh legs. Clippers had three days off. Again, we all know when a shooter is struggling, like if a, if a sh- for those who don't know this, if a, I don't know, if, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a good example. Eric Gordon. Let's just use Eric, Eric Gordon for the Clippers. If Eric Gordon is not only missing his threes, but coming up short in a lot of them. They're just kind of hitting front rim. They're not hitting back rim. They're not getting some weird bounces. If they're all like hitting front rim, his legs are tired. Like that's always been the case for shooters. Why would any of the Clippers be tired? They had three days rest. The Lakers, on the other hand, exhausted, long road trip, second night of a back-to-back. 
Like, it makes sense. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. They're, they're not going to shoot like that every night. But they do have shooters, no question. Kawhi can certainly knock down the three-pointer. Bones Highland, Gordon, Terrence Mann's improved as a three-point shooter. Who else? Well, they traded Luke Kennard to the Grizzlies. Uh, he he can shoot. Uh, who else they got? Paul George, when healthy, is is one of the better uh, shooters in the league. So it's interesting. Uh, comment here from Complete Sports Media. Most of the Suns would definitely rather play the Clippers than the Lakers and Warriors. However, KD would rather face Golden State and not Draymond and his old team right away. Oh, absolutely. I'm with you. I, from KD's perspective, I think he wants Golden State. To like right off the bat, because something else too, and we know narratives matter in sports. Athletes tell us all the time, man, I don't listen to noise. Yes, you do. Everybody listens to the noise. That's created by fans, by the media. If Kevin Durant and the Suns beat the Warriors in round one, and KD plays amazing, maybe even outplays Steph, which I think he'll have to for the Suns to win. That then puts the bug in everybody's ear like, oh, okay. KD just knocked the, you know, the Suns were kind of reeling like around seven seed, six seed. They had KD and they they have not lost a game since KD was inserted in the starting lineup. That's how good they are. Excuse me. It puts that sort of narrative out there that the Suns' first playoff matchup was the defending champs and they knocked them out. And then you'll start to see this ball rolling. You'll just see. Now, I hope it doesn't happen as a Warriors fan. I'm not going to wood that doesn't happen. But... Moving forward, you would see the narrative persist like, whoa, Katie's on a mission. Because the second round, they'd probably they'd likely face Denver unless the Pelicans or somebody or the Timberwolves are the eight seed and they upset uh, Denver, which I don't think will happen. But although New Orleans is kind of dangerous, that's I don't think Denver is like looking forward to playing New Orleans. Be that as it may, Denver in the second round. That's Two-time MVP Jokic. Jamal Murray's having a great bounce back here. Michael Porter Jr.'s been good. Supporting Cass is good. That's a hard place. To, I mean, what's the, the Nuggets' home record? I think it might be the best in the NBA. Uh, it is second-best home record in the NBA to Memphis and slightly better than Golden State. Uh, the, the Nuggets are 33-7 and seven at home. And that, a lot of that has to do with the altitude. A lot of that is due to the, the home court advantage as far as the crowd is concerned. So that's not an easy second-round opponent. Okay, Phoenix beats them. What if they meet the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals? Then LeBron beats KD. It's like, these are, or, or I mean, or KD beats LeBron, rather. KD beats LeBron uh, once again in the playoffs, and then Phoenix wins the finals. Then the discussion around KD would be, it would be similar to what it was around Steph last year. Like, thanks, KD top 10 all time? Now, I think KD's like 13 or 14. Like my top 10, I've been very consistent on this since last year, uh, although I did change one and two. I, after LeBron broke the scoring record, I'm like, I can't fight anymore. He's the greatest. So my personal top 10 is one to 10 LeBron, Jordan, Kareem, Kobe, Magic, Duncan, Steph, Bird, Shaq, Russell. With Wilt at 11, Hakeem 12th. And then I think you have an argument at 13. You guys like Oscar Robertson. I think you have Isaiah Thomas, Kevin Durant in that discussion, Jerry West. Like those are kind of the four for like thirteen. My, like my top twelve is kind of set. Although Steph is Steph now, LeBron's currently playing, but I think he's the goat. Steph is currently playing and can still move up. KD's on the outside of the top ten, but absolutely can move into the top ten. And I think pretty soon in the next three to four years, Giannis will put himself in that discussion if he 
wins more championships and more MVPs. So it, it's interesting. It, it's going to be very, very fascinating to see how the next few uh, days play out as far as what the playoff scenario looks like. I just, the fact that nobody wants to be five, which guarantees you're in the playoffs, but it means you have to face Phoenix and nobody wants to be seven because that's, you avoid Phoenix, but you're in the play and you have to play a minimum one more game, maybe two, which would be an ultimate disaster for, for any of these three teams. Everybody wants six because it means Sacramento, who's great offensively, has a great home court and a great coach, but they play zero defense and they've never been in the playoffs. And in the second round, you get Memphis in all likelihood, although it could be the Lakers or whoever's the seven seed uh, is. It's fascinating. I, I can't wait to see it. Last topic of the day. Did not expect that seven to go that long, but it's just, that's why I love the NBA. These playoff chases toward the end are very fascinating and everybody wants the sixth seed in the West. Rightfully so, by the way. And I think my Warriors will be six. But last segment revolves around Cam Newton. So, I mean, you guys know I'm not the biggest Cam guy. I don't I don't discount whatsoever how fantastic he was in that 2015 season when he won the MVP. Carolina got to the Super Bowl. But I've always made the case, and I saw – shout out to my guys at the Fan Perspective Podcast, uh, uh, John Rivera and Henny Dre. John John's been on the show numerous times, and he's he uh, frequently you know is in the comment section, which I greatly appreciate. Great podcast. But they were talking about the other day on their show, is Cam Newton a Hall of Famer? I don't think so. Here's my thing. Well, you say, well, he's got an MVP. Well, Rich, was it Rich Gannon, I think. Rich Gannon's got an MVP. There's plenty. There's kickers that have MVPs if we go way back in NFL history. Number one, how many years was Cam? It's kind of two reasons. How many years was Cam Newton at his peak? I'd argue one. Maybe a year and a half if you think about the end of the 2014 season. Like end of 2014, all through 2015, to like the NFC Championship game of that season. And then once the Super Bowl lost to Denver, he was really never the same guy. He had a rough 2016, good 2017, and a pretty pretty good 2018 until he got injured. And then he got hurt in 2019, wasn't all that great in 2020, and was terrible in 2021. To me, to be a Hall of Famer, you have to have sustained, not really good, because Cam had really good years, sustained greatness. I mean, the like greatness for like, Five, six, seven, eight years. Cam doesn't have that. And number two, and I think this matters, this is kind of a little-known stat about Cam Newton, never had back-to-back winning seasons in the NFL. Never. Now, he made three the playoffs three straight times from 2013 to 15, but that middle year, 2014, the Panthers were 7-8-1. and one. They won a terrible division. And their playoff game was against a Cardinals team on their third-string quarterback. Like, there's, I don't do asterisks in sports, but that'd be a warranted asterisk. It would. But Cam's, as we saw, he worked out at Auburn's pro day a couple weeks ago. He wants back in the NFL. He's like, I'm about to, yeah, I'm so much better. He used the word randoms. I'm so much better than these randoms. Guys that are in the NFL that aren't that, you know, certainly do not have the track record or resume that Cam has, but are still in the league. And Cam was on a podcast the other day. I'm sorry, it was on his YouTube channel on Wednesday night. And he was talking about trying to dispel the false narrative that he wouldn't be comfortable in a backup role. He said, quote, this is how I feel. There ain't 32 guys that's better than me. But I also know that I could be a backup, and I'm willing to be a backup. There's a narrative out there that says, you know, Cam does not want to be a backup. I never said I didn't want to be a backup. So I'm going to take this time to explain who and what situation I would want to back to, uh, to be a backup to and for. 
And that's where Cam is. That's what he lacks. Self-awareness. That's what he's always lacked. That's what most of the great, forget quarterbacks, athletes have, is really good self-awareness. They know how something sounds when they say it. They know uh, what to say, what not to say. Forget the media. In the locker room, they have a good pulse and everything. Cam doesn't. He starts out great. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm better than 32 guys. Uh, I don't think there's 32 guys. Obviously, there's 32 teams. I do not think there's 32 quarterbacks better than me. I I disagree, but I, I don't have an issue with Cam saying that. He's, he has confidence in himself. He should. That's great. And then he says, "I'm fine with being a backup. I'm open to it." Okay, good again. I, I have no issue with that. But then he can't help himself. Here's but here's if I'm a backup, I'm fine with being a backup. But this is who I want to be a backup for. And then he goes on to list. I'd like to be a backup to Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, Tua Tungavailoa, Jalen Hurts, Malik Willis, who's not even a starter right now, Sam Howell, and Aaron Rodgers. And then he's it says he'd also added there's three quarterbacks of the draft he'd he'd be willing to, to tutor. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson. Okay. I hate to tell you, Cam. That's not your decision. It's if you if you're fine if you really are fine with being the backup, then you'll be cool with whoever calls you. Now, if it's multiple teams, yeah, you pick where you want to go. That's what's that's the beauty of being a free agent. You choose where you want to go. But why do you think there hasn't been a market on Cam for a year and a half? It's this. Cam's absolutely because we talk about is somebody good enough to be in the NFL? You know, are they one of the 32 best? You don't have to be the 32 best. You need to be one of the 64 best. If you're a top 64 quarterback on planet Earth, you're good enough to be in the NFL. There are 32 teams. Every team has a minimum one backup. Most have two, but the third string usually doesn't dress, depending on the situation. There are not 64 quarterbacks better than Cam Newton. Obvi- I think we all agree on that. Even Cam at his like lowest, which I think was a couple of years ago, the last time we saw him in the NFL, I still think he's better than... A lot of backups in the NFL. But other backups don't give you this. The lack of self-awareness. That's what Cam's always missed. Look, I'm pulling for him. Cam's a big personality. He's exciting to watch. Certainly at his at his peak, you know, we had Superman. He had the dance and everything. Remember in 2015, he had the dab. It was fun. But that ship sailed. Cam's not that guy again. Uh, again, last time he played in the NFL was November of 2021. Why do you think it's been a year and a half and there, there's barely been any traction? I mean, I haven't heard anybody even say, this team brought Cam Newton in for a workout. Let me know if I'm wrong. I don't remember that headline. There's a reason for that. I, I think it's safe to say his his NFL career has come to a close. It was a tremendous career. For the record, don't think it's a Hall of Fame career, but it's a very, very, very productive career. He won an MVP for crying out loud. Led a team to the Super Bowl. Got to the playoffs numerous times. I think four times got the Panthers to the playoffs. Good on you. But no, the teams aren't going to sign him for this reason alone. And frankly, I don't can't really say I blame him. I don't know. It'll be it'll be fascinating to see. Uh, 
I'd, I'd say the draft. Ryan Flowers, and I need to get Ryan on the show uh, soon because he has been he has been working his tail off at the grid with his film study on these prospects. He's mostly focused on the quarterbacks, but he's also done it on other players. Uh, he, he he did a, a short video the other day about uh, Joey Porter, the corner from Penn State. He was talking about Bijan Robinson, who's the incredibly talented running back from Texas. Like Ryan, shout out to Ryan. He's doing. If you guys haven't checked out his content, go. You can check it out in the grid or on Clutch Sports Talk. He's doing unbelievable breaking down the prospects of the draft. And like I said, it's Thursday. We hope to at the grid in three weeks from today do a draft show, which will be very fun. Reacting to the first round of the twenty twenty three draft, which again. As is the case with any draft, we're looking at the quarterbacks. Last year was kind of the outlier. The only ones we really paid any attention to was Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. I liked Malik Willis more than Pickett. Thus far, I've been dead wrong about that one. Uh, shoot, Malik had some, I mean, horrible, horrible games. Ba- guy was barely breaking 50 yards passing. And Kenny Pickett, while his stats are in, by no means very impressive, Kenny had some good wins last year. Uh, he played well in that. He had a game-winning drive against the Ravens, game-winning drive against the Raiders. Like, he's good. Uh, John, John Rivera. This is, this is one of your best comments ever. John, John, he says, I want the draft to, I want the jets to draft your guy from Tennessee, the quarterback in the second round. Hendon hooker, John, John would be perfect. So if the Aaron Rodgers trade goes through, look again, I'm, I don't, I don't think it's going to work near to the effect that most jets fans do. However, if you go that route, Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old. He has, I think max two months left. Or two months, two years left. Got Hendon Hooker with a ton of experience in college. Now, I think Hendon Hooker could start day one. I don't think he will because of the injury. He tore his ACL last year. But you get to sort of groom him behind Aaron Rodgers for the next two years. And then he's your guy. Now, John, John, and this is going to sound bad. I hope Hendon Hooker doesn't get drafted by the Jets. Because as I make the joke... I did. I didn't have a show when Sam Darnold was drafted by the Jets in 2018. I did when Zach Wilson was drafted in 2021. I say the New York Jets is where young quarterback dreams go to die. I and I hate to say that, but it's it's been the case. Oh, I mean, now Chad Pennington was productive, but his issue is injuries. Geno Smith didn't work out. Geno Smith, obviously, who's who's crushed it in Seattle, never came anywhere near that with the Jets. Sam Darnold didn't work at all. Zach Wilson was 15 times worse than Sam Darnold. So, for Hendon's sake, I don't want him to go to the Jets, but John John, I absolutely see. Trust me, I watched this guy for two years. I totally see why you want him. And you should. The Jets should. Uh, absolutely consider that in the second round. And even if it's not Hooker, I think the Jets will draft a quarterback. Not in the first round, but in the next, in round two, three. Because, you know, this is not, this is just like Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. He's going to be there. If Aaron is there three years, I'll be surprised. I think it's more like two, and then he retires. Because Aaron Rodgers has been vocal about the fact he's not going to play as long as Tom Brady. He just, I mean, I, I'm, I, I question where his, where his commitment level to football is now. So it's it's not it's not going to last to 45 years old. I, I don't think that's like breaking news or anything. All right. That is all the time we have for, for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by again. Earlier show today... We're going to have an earlier show tomorrow again, scheduling conflicts. Um, uh, to, you know, tomorrow is Good Friday, so you know, like I said, I, I, as I've said many times, I am a Christian. I do observe Good Friday, and so stuff to um, to uh, to be a part of 
tomorrow night. So I'll do a show. I haven't decided on a time yet. It'll be either be three or four Eastern, most likely. So I'll I'll put that on social media and I'll I'll let you guys know ahead of time when the show will be. But it'll be an earlier show tomorrow. So catch Carving Up Live tomorrow afternoon. That's I can't give you a time. I will I'll I'll do that on social media. Just check on Instagram and Twitter and I will I will let you guys know in advance. But be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow ex- exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid Podcast Network on YouTube, as well as wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. It's where you can listen to my show, check out my content uh, on the grid as well. Uh, uh, who else do we have? I don't think we had anybody in the grid in the com- – oh, no, Parnell. Parnell was in the comments. Uh, check out his show, The Commander's Demand Podcast. New episodes should be coming pretty soon to anywhere you list your podcast on Saturday. Be, look, be on the lookout for that. We've got Patrick Brown who's got the Forum Podcast, which is a Lakers show. Definitely your one-stop shop for the Lakers, considering we're late in the NBA season going into the postseason. And he's got the Chaotic Sports Podcast, which is more of a general uh, sports show. Barry Grant Jr., the All Even Podcast. The aforementioned Ryan Flowers, who I mentioned, who's doing a phenomenal job covering these draft prospects. Definitely going to need to get him on the show sometime the next week or so. Clutch Sports Talk on the grid and wherever you list your podcast. Alfred Parsar Jr. of the Metropolitan Report, as well as a new episode just came out recently, the Rocket Fuel Jets podcast, in which he talked about the Aaron Rodgers situation and his frustration with the Green Bay Packers. He really, really lays it out very well. Please, please check out his his newest show and the Cowboys Camp Fan podcast. Uh, they're, I mean, they're just they're as fun as it gets. So check out their show uh, on the grid. So. Unbelievable creators at the network. And uh, check out Jamel as well. Uh, Jamel Crothers, who I've had on Carving It Up Live, did had him on a few weeks back for my March Madness special. He writes a lot of stuff for the network and has been has been unbelievable for us. So check out his articles on the Grid website as well. Have a great evening, everybody. I'll see y'all tomorrow afternoon. Again, I'll keep you posted. Three or four Eastern, one of the two, noon Pacific, one Pacific. We'll see. I'll let you know on Twitter and on Instagram. But have a great evening, everybody. Please continue to stay safe. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. Please call your local state senator and your uh, uh, local state officials to get some change for gun violence with the terrible things that's going on in this country. And God bless all the students that that did all these walkouts nationwide. God bless y'all. We need change. We need it now. Have a great evening, everybody. God bless you all. Peace out. It's going to be exciting. Exciting finish. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.